We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Today, it's time to talk MMA because we had what was on paper looked like a monster card. In practice, stuff went a little bit different. But we're talking UFC 276 today, Adesanya versus Cannoneer in the main event. But we'll go through the entire card. As well as right here in Vegas. We went. We watched. Oh, my God. I'm so We, I'm we experienced. I went to Money in the Bank and UFC 276, and I walked. And, like, one dude was like, weren't you just at Money in the Bank? I was like, yes. <laughs> he's like, he's in a seat before the main card starts. I was like, yes, I did both. It was, it was a lot. Busiest, it was a lot. Busiest man in media. Uh, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Trace is everywhere. So, now, nah, yeah, we're going to talk about that whole card. We'll also touch on the upcoming card for this week. Dos Anjos versus Fazeev happening because the UFC doesn't take a week off. No, man. No breaks. All gas. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Just back to back to back events. So plenty to talk about there. Dre, this is not going to be the longest of shows. But I had a question for you. Sure. Before we get into UFC. Non-UFC related. Because I asked this on my timeline on Twitter during the fight. Came back. Saw the responses. Who wins a versus? Mariah or Janet? Janet. No hesitation. No. <laughs> and, but, Janet was at Essence Sense, Essence Fest over the weekend, for those wondering. And it's everywhere online. She was amazing. She's Jan- look, look. I'm, first of all, I'm a huge Janet fan. So it's that easy you for, are. It's easy for me to pick Janet. Mariah could obviously sing her under the table. Mariah's got hits. I don't think it's like a, a, a sweep or anything like that. But I just think Janet's bag is so deep for all these years. Mariah's got a deep bag, too, but... There's so much variety. I think Mariah had a number one for like 13 straight years or something. Dude, she's, she's record-breaking. She's huge. But I, I personally, I've enjoyed Janice's music more. I don't, we'll never own a Mariah album. No butterflies? No. Um, <laughs> no, but I have all the Janice shit. And it just feels like the Miss You Much era, the, the, the Janet album, that's the way love goes. Oh, uh, yeah. Still one of the most classic. This is a classic R&B joint. And if she were to do a versus and they were to actually perform, and she, oh, then it's no contest. Yeah, Mariah can't move. 
No, she can't. But like, she can sing her ass off. She yes. sounds tremendous. I don't know how Janet will sound. But no, I'm, I'm picking Janet. She just needs the little the head mic with just the little speaker joint. Yeah. If she comes out with that, it's over. Miss You Much, uh, Escapade. I, I go Rhythm Nation. Like, I love the Rhythm Nation album. Yeah, I'm picking Janet. Now, after, but here's the real question. After what we saw Usher do on the in, in, in <laughs> Tiny Desk, I don't think Chris Brown wants that smoke. Not in the live verses. Oh, Chris washes it. No, he they, no he doesn't. In a live version too, and I love him. Nope, nope, nope. Chris's hits are just nope. insane. No, and then the dancing and everything. Else. Usher's a better dancer than Chris Brown. That is not true. That is absolutely true. I say this because I used to dance once in a time. <laughs> That's more exciting than news. People don't know that. I, I danced in college. Yeah. I danced for a dancing in college. Usher's league dress, huh? It's a Kappa League. No, drip. this is after that. Oh, you were uh, out there just really whining, yeah. like little suits and, and my chore- our choreographer back at, at Morehouse was one of Janet's old choreographers. You so, have a full choreographer. Yes, yes. People don't know this. I do. Um, I did not know this at all. If you told someone like, "Hey, I used to dance in Atlanta," they'll think a completely. Oh, I know. Different- I know. It was like <laughs> get Dre off the pole. <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't that. Um, so, but but from a dancing perspective, when it comes to tight choreography and presentation and performance. Usher blows Chris Brown out the water. Chris Brown's a phenomenal freestyle dancer by himself. Yes. He needs the his attention. His choreography is dope. No, no, no. His choreography dope. is not in sync. Like, Usher, when he, it's pinpoint precision when Usher yeah. performs. And it, like, Chris Brown could dance. I'm never going to say Chris Brown can't dance. But when it comes to performing in a constant thing where there's a unit, like Janet. Usher's like Janet when it comes to that. Chris Brown will do his own thing. Yeah, whether yeah. he forgets everybody else is doing everything. Yeah, everybody else could do this. He freestyles a lot. Chris dude. Brown's doing that. Yeah. And then he's doing a flip. And you're like, why'd you do that, Chris? He's like, because I'm tall and I can do it. Woo. And I, I boy I, landed a flip on March Madness on the break. Yeah, like I just <laughs> after the the Tiny Desk concert, I think people forgot that Usher could sing. I've seen more jokes about the Tiny Desk than like well, yeah. positive critique. Like the memes. Yeah. I, just, uh, I saw a Dominican Usher one that had me in. Years. Oh, that was great too. Oh my god! But but Usher could sing Chris Brown under the table. Chris Brown's not a great singer. No, Chris isn't the best singer. I so, mean, he's it's better than what we saw in the last verses. Yeah, <laughs> but oh yeah, well, but that, I'm saying, that was a if we go well, Chris 20, ain't bad. No, 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 no. Look, look, look. He just ain't Usher. Usher, Usher. Usher. Chris Brown's got hits. Do not get me wrong, but I think a lot of people were reminded during this tiny desk conference, like, oh, Usher sang that. Oh, Usher, damn. Oh, you got a bad. Oh, like, not just the confession stuff. You got stuff before that. You yeah. got. 20 for 20, it'd be fun. I'll I'll say that much. I think Usher and Chris Brown would turn out to be a celebration. Sequencing would matter a ton. Yeah. If they really went head to head, I don't think they would. Um, People would pick who would win, but I think it'd be a celebration of both of them. Because obviously, Chris Brown is inspired by Usher. So it's like, you know, it's it's, It's not going to be the beef. No. No, nobody's going to fight. It's not going to be Bone Thugs and what was it? Three Six Mafia. This R&B one was spicy this past. Yeah, well, you had a bunch of spicy R&B cats who's, you know, Mario's, like, fighting for relevancy. And yeah. Marion's fighting to be broken out of B2K. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Marion get washed. It's still... That's why it's like, yeah, I can talk about who would win a versus. I know. Then you got to play. But then you... Yeah, you got to gotta go out there and perform. So, no, that was intriguing. Um, check out the Usher joint, though, in full. And not just memes as yeah. we get more time. I didn't check it out because... UFC 276. Yes. And it wasn't just the event. We were at Radio Row, Busy. UFC X, tons of interviews. That was fun. Went on location. Producer Cole Bebe had us all set up for a field trip. I <laughs> felt, felt like I was in elementary school. I had like the little lunch packed and everything. Where's Cole had show, all bro? the equipment like nice and packed for us. 
Yeah. So uh, Cole was definitely the chaperone for us on Radio Row. That turned out amazing. And then there's just so much going on, including Hall of Fame. Uh, shout out to DC, Habib, going into the Hall of Fame. That was a whole experience. And then we have the weigh-ins, everything else. So it was a packed week. Didn't really have much time for anything else. And then it led to UFC 276. So we'll start with the prelims. And I'm just going to go to the one prelim. I can't do that. Because Jalen Turner. Jalen Turner's the goods. Looks phenomenal. Jalen Turner being a giant lightweight who can submit people and has hands, he, he's a problem. Jalen Turner, you look at that division, and yes, it's a, it's a monster division, but I think he's got a lot of momentum, and getting a guillotine submission, it's time. It's time yeah. to start pushing that cat to the moon. Yeah, need some numbers next to his name. Yeah. And start. Uh, he should have a number next to his name after this one. Yeah, he needs to start climbing that list. And then Ian Gary won, but that was by decision. He kind of needed a knockout. Like, this is a showcase one. Yeah. Come on. He laid an an egg, kind of. And then we have Jim Miller versus Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, it was a wrap. Cowboy was like, "Mm, my heart ain't in it. Jim Miller submitted him. That first round looked all right. It looked all right. But you can tell when a fighter is like, I really don't want to be here. I think we started getting those vibes. And I'm glad that Donald Cerrone is now retired. Yeah. Lays the gloves down, says rap. Jessica I also retired. She did. She wants to do wrestling. Yeah, which is... She everything. wants to be everything the Undertaker. Yeah. And I thought, we'll get to Robbie Lawler. I was like, are you going to retire too? Because we, you know, <laughs> we're like on a roll now. But uh, Cerrone retiring, I mean, he's had an incredible career as a fighter. As a person, he's a little MAGA, a little racist sometimes. Yeah, he's... You know, It's, it's going to sound really weird. And I don't excuse anybody's racism, necessarily. But like, Cerrone is kind of like that one weird-ass uncle you got. Where you just be like, yo, you got to warn people. Like, yo, he's kind of a little racist. Like, I got like a Spanish uncle, Puerto Rico. Like, yo, he might say some real yeah. wild shit. But he always invited to the cookout. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, we come over a crib. Yeah, he going to be there. Yo, just nobody punch him in the face, please. Like, just keep the, he's going to say some wild shit. But Cowboy, always at his core, though, was trying to entertain fans. Yes. For his fan base, is incredible. And even for those outside of that. For whatever his personal beliefs are and any interactions I had with Cowboy, he was a guy, and I don't see this often, he doesn't let it, like, come into that professional space necessarily. Like, he never treated anyone professionally different because of whatever the fuck he says outside of that. Yeah. Truly, he was like a Cowboy. Yeah, he did. But all that to say is that Jim Miller is now the all-time leader and wins in the UFC and (laughs) submitted him. And, you know, Cowboys, he probably thinks, maybe I should just fight Joe Lozon. Maybe I shouldn't eat 7-Eleven sushi or whatever he did to get that yeah. stomachache and fought Joe Lowe's on. But, alas, it's the end of the Cowboy era. The time's up. It's time to move on. If your heart's not in it, the last thing you should be doing is getting punched in the face. He wants to be a movie star. Well, he could probably do that. I'm sure there's, sure, like, there's a mega, movie, mega cowboy movie somewhere. He could be an action star. He can literally just play a cowboy and everything. Yes, yeah, a mega cowboy movie. I'm sure Trump and everybody will support him. I wonder if, uh, I, I really hope he takes a role that's like completely anti mag then he really got to act. Yeah, he'd be like, like I, <laughs> I can't do this <laughs> too much. Just, but no, nah, yeah, I think Cowboy, he can go and do whatever it is he wants. He go live on a ranch. Yes, he can. And just chill. He's done well. It'll be interesting to see if he gets the itch again, not necessarily to step back into the octagon. But he has, when you have that many fights, you have just a wealth of information. I think he's done. Um, no, I wonder if he's going to like train. Oh, because he yeah. like 
moved camps and then, you know, he was with Jackson Wayne for a long time and then moved everything to his ranch. He's used to having fighters around and such. And being around the atmosphere without getting punched in the face yeah. might be his thing. It's just one of the things where I was like, you know what? He'd probably make a decent trainer. Yeah, maybe so. So I'm interested to see if, you know, Hollywood doesn't work out for him. And then going to the main card, Sean O'Malley, Pedro Munoz. This is when I knew I was going to tweet it and I didn't. I was like, this is a bad sign for this card. Sean O'Malley pokes Pedro Munoz in the eye. Legitimate, because Pedro can't, still can't open his eye. He po- yeah, he's posting on social media. And it didn't look too, like, deep, but it just takes the right spot and the right, right thing. Yeah, and, you know, O'Malley does the crossover jump shot. And it's like, dog, you, you didn't knock him out. I loved his tweet. He was, like, the first person to stop Pedro Munoz. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I mean, he's fantastic at trolling, yeah. <laughs> but this isn't the finish that anybody wants. No. We wanted to see a fight, and it was, it's strangely enough, I think O'Malley lost the first round. Two of the judges gave yeah. it to Pedro, which I'm okay with. I think he was clearly winning the second. But I don't know. The UFC is going to move on from this. Yeah. They're not going to rebook this no. fight. Because I think Pedro literally landed one headshot the entire first round and landed 10 leg kicks. Yeah. And that's how he won the round. And which they count for something, but. Yeah, I mean, just aesthetically pleasing, it was not. Um, O'Malley's still a dangerous striker, but. It's not the finish that you won. The UFC's probably going to look at this situation. was like, we're not rebooking that shit. No. We'll, maybe we'll move into the Cheeto fight. Let's act like this didn't happen and just move on. But the crowd booed. They were pissed off. And I was like, ah, sign of things to come. And I didn't tweet it. And then yeah, it became a sign of things to come. Yeah, it got, it got a little shaky after that. And then, well, Robbie Lawler, Brian Barberina. It was a great fight. Amazing fight. Yeah, they threw hands. Yes. Constantly. They fought. Literally in a phone booth. Yeah, perpetual you, motion. Of yeah, you didn't need an octagon. Yeah. Just give him like a six-foot square. It was crazy. They threw hands constantly. Robbie Lawler looked great for a round and a half. Yep. Amazing. That jab? It was sharp. Stiff. But you get knocked out by Bam Bam, Brian Barberina. Brian Barberina is a good fighter. Do not get me wrong. But the way that Robbie Lawler lost means, oh, it ain't there anymore. No, because he gassed more yep. than anything. Well, he, ga- he like he gassed. And his, he he couldn't um, he couldn't accept those punches anymore. Like it, it was, they were getting to him when those kind of shots wouldn't have got to him once upon a time, and he got worn down and stopped. And it's at that moment we got to wonder. It's like, well, Robbie, you kind of only fight one way. Can you dial that back and still have a career? And I think time might be up. He didn't lay the gloves down right there, but I don't think there's much time left for Robbie Lawler's career. I mean, that Nick Diaz fight extended it probably a little longer. Well, yeah, because Nick Diaz... Re- like, it's one thing when <laughs> I don't want to be there, but when he really doesn't oh, want to be Nick there... Nick didn't want to be there at all. Nick was like, I'm cool. I'll leave first. And I was like, damn, <laughs> I'm stuck in this house. So, sucks to see Robbie lose like that, but it was a great fight while it lasted. It was. Robbie's had a great career. If he decides to call it a career on social media, whatever. I don't think there's anything left for him to give to this sport. Not at all. Then we have Sean Strickland. Alex Pereira. This fight this, this wasn't bad either. This fight was bad. You think? Well, it's I bad just, from the perspective that... When you that, outclassed the number four fighter in the world. No, wait, no, 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 no. Sean Strickland fought like an idiot. <laughs> he, he kept his hands down and followed him around. Didn't try to deploy wrestling. Didn't even try to strike. Just kind of followed him to see what Alex was going to do. I was like, that, that's what you're going to do? He tucked his ass in with a left hook. 
put him to sleep with two rights after that. And it was night-night. The precision of the follow-up right hand. Like, you could just see him. He took his time. And he, like, zeroed in, zeroed in, zeroed in. Oh, there's the chin. Wow. Like, Over. But what was Strickland's game plan? Like, you talked all that shit. And you looked like you were primed to maybe pull off an upset. And he said it. Maybe I'll wrestle. You didn't even try. You didn't try to close the distance. You didn't faint. You just followed that man around the octagon, begging to get knocked out. He thought it was a feel-out round. Yeah, and then, then yeah, he felt his way out of that fight real quick. <laughs> it, it just was, Alex Perez has now punched his ticket. He's, yes, he's absolutely getting the Adesanya fight. Barring injuries, this is the fight. Seven pro fights. Hey, man. Yuri had two UFC fights where he got close. Two. Really? Two. Wow. I mean, I guess the resume of career speaks for itself, what? right? I mean, I don't even—it's it's the UFC. You, rankings mean nothing. <laughs> so, it, yeah, Yuri had two fights, Ozdemir and uh, Dominic Reyes, and then he got a title fight and he won. Yeah. So, Perez got three. So, it's like—and they got a story to tell, and Strickland fought like a damn idiot, um, and he got smoked. So, it wasn't even remotely competitive. So, good fight, no. Fun finish, yes. A lot of people are really believing Alex is kind of a favorite going against his. People are saying the we'll next UFC champion, all this stuff. We'll get there. And uh, it's interesting to see. I'm not sure if people were ever on the Izzy bandwagon. He actually gets like a lot of like hate for no reason. We'll, we'll get there. I got a lot um, to say about Izzy. All right. Are we also going to talk about the Sean Strickland press conference where he's uh, brought up hentai? <laughs> like Sean, Sean Strickland made some fans before he got his ass knocked. My out. man said, "I've never been at a press conference and just like just went nuts. <laughs> yeah, he just just said just, anything. He said hentai. He 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 chirks off the hentai. I was like, just saying anything, anything. Which I believe is he did not back down from. <laughs> just, right, which was dangerous. I was like, hey like, man, don't say that. I don't need to know your search history, sir. Keep that. Yeah, search that history. In. He owns those DVDs. It sounds like <laughs> he's. Even to the collection. Um, co-main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. Clean sweep. Five rounds of an asshole. We've never seen Max nope. look like this, per se. What I, what I say last week, I said Max fights one way. Yeah. Alexander, Alexander is constantly evolving. Like, if you didn't get a lot, the Ortega fight shows that he has resolved. The zombie fight shows us, oh, that boxing is getting better. This fight was... This is the definitive performance of Alexander Volkanovsky's career. Now, he's the greatest featherweight of all time. There's no question. I mean, he beat Max three times. Yeah. <laughs> you beat him three times, and you swept him. Yeah, in, in the like, final one. You didn't give him a minute to breathe. You dominated Max Holloway, who, for all intents and purposes, just came off two very dominant showings against Calvin Cater and Yair Rodriguez, yeah. and you just wiped him out. Beat him up, split his eye, gave him a third eye. Yeah. <laughs> like bloody them up yep. and, and dom- like you dominate he's the greatest featherweight of all time there's no question there's no question the performance is one of those things where it sucks because we expected a competitive fight and Volk just ran him over more telling though is Volk's jab is I, if you if you go back and watch the fight again there's the, Volk has de- figured out this jab that he uses especially against Max Holloway Max will follow you follow you follow you punch down Volk jabs him and forces him to reset. Yeah. And Max can't get into his offense. And Volk used that every minute of the fight, and Max didn't know. i never seen Max not know what to do in a fight. He was clueless. It came so fast and from such an awkward angle. It's one of those things where people talk about the height. 
talking about the reach, right? Yeah. But there's disadvantages to that sometimes in fights. Volkanovski figured out what that was. It's just like, if I come from a lower angle, and this is all sports, right. low man wins. He's like, if I cannot stand right in front of you and throw my jab so you can step around and hit me with yours, if I just dip and throw it straight up, you then are going to get hit in the face and I could be out before you react. And it worked all night. Every, every time. And he's, uh, granted, you got to be stupid fast yeah. to do this. But that little level change before throwing was too much for Max because it, it's so hard to swing downwards. Well, so it protected Volk. Because if, yeah. what does Max going to do? Swing down? You're going to fake the jab and come across with a hook? Like, you're defenseless. Well, the, the problem with Max is, and I said this, he gets hit a lot. All his fights, he gets hit a lot. Most stri- Taking the most significant strikes in UFC. Yes, yeah. and granted, he's been in a lot of fights, and a lot of fights have gone the distance. I think he's given the most. Yeah, but, <laughs> but he's not great defensively. He reminds me, if we're going to use a loose analogy in boxing, he's a lot like Tito Trinidad. Okay. Tito had great power, though, where it didn't matter if he get hit, he hit you back. Tito was on his back a lot in boxing, but he always get up and then knock somebody out until he fought Bernard Hopkins, who just was smarter than him and beat him up. Max fights one way, and that one way, people like, oh, he's lost a step. No, he'll still probably beat up the rest of the division. Easily. But Volk is just a different beast. Now the real conversation is, well, where does Volk fall pound for pound? Because if Kamar Usman is number one. Yeah. And... Israel Adesanya might be number two. I don't know where people... Some people still have John Jones on the list. Some people do not. If John Jones is on the list, John Jones is number one. But he hasn't fought in so goddamn long. long, The inactivity. But then you have Charles Oliveira. So where does Volk fit into this equation? Technically, Volk has better wins than Izzy. Because three wins against Max is pretty damn good. I think Max was still back end of the top 10 pound for pound. Yes, he was. Um... So, I mean, you have three wins over pound-for-pound guy. Well, how about this? Volk has better wins than Kamaru Usman lately. During title reign? Probably. Masvidal? Mm. Oh, Colby. Yeah, I mean, the Colby fights, Colby wins, those those are good wins. Yeah. Do not get me wrong. Two of them. I still say Kamaru is number one pound-for-pound. Yes. But I I say when you start looking at what Volkanovski has done in this short amount of time, three wins against Holloway, who is, just like you said, ranked pound-for-pound. Kobe was not. Yeah. Max was like top 10. Some places he was 15, but he was still pound for pound. And he swept him. Wasn't remotely competitive in the third fight. I think he climbs very, very far now. I think the biggest thing is, is that those other fights we mentioned were close and very competitive. When a guy like Kamaru doesn't have competitive fights. He had a competitive fight with Kobe. Kobe won. Yeah. Well, the first one was competitive until he knocked him out. Yeah, I mean, he broke his jaw. He broke his He broke his No, don't get me wrong. He broke his but jaw and stopped was, him. There were many people, it was 2-2 going it, into Exactly. It, this gets, it gets Izzy, interesting. Izzy doesn't. Izzy is... Uh, Jan is like the only... Yeah, and that was like, that's the definition of pound for pound. He tried it and the shit didn't yeah. work. But then you have Charles Oliveira, who has fought the murderer's row of lightweights. <laughs> divisions. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. You it's like... No, there's no room to breathe, and he's wiped everybody out. But I feel like Volk is in a position where you could tell me he's the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world right now, and I'd be like, all right, I don't think it's as clear-cut as it once was with Kamaru. I think if you want to put him past Izzy, 
That's fine. Because Izzy's fought Marvin Vittori, Derek Cannonier. None of them are Max Holloway. I mean, the division's not. Right. He's, he's, he's working on what he got. Which is where we're going to get to in a second. But I'm like, damn, Volk just swept the great, what, who we thought was the greatest pound for pound, well, greatest featherweight of all time, and he swept him. And before that, the Ortega fight told me everything I needed to know. I was like, that motherfucker's tough. It's tough, but I mean, he beat the shit out of Ortega. But at the same time, he was almost subbed three times in that hey, fight. Hey, but look, John almost. Jones was almost subbed by Vitor Belfort. He was. And he got, he got, the thing is, he got out of, he faced adversity, he dealt with it, got and he out got out better out, out of it. Volkanovski, the first Holloway fight, people thought he won. It was very close. Second fight, a lot of people thought Max won. Yes. And Volk's ex- explanation during the press conference that he got woke up by Usada and then took melatonin and he just was drowsy through the fight. And he was like, and I didn't say anything till now because I wanted to show you guys. That's scary. He swept the man. And then he demolished the Korean zombie, but it is what it is. I mean, that was. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you can make a compelling argument, but there's only one place for him to go. That guy kept saying, job's not done at featherweight. No, the job is done at featherweight. Yeah. You need to go to lightweight, and there's a vacant title waiting for you. If, and you need to fight Charles Oliveira because that's the champion. I don't care what anybody says. Yep. It's Volk versus Oliveira. People say it'll bottle up the division. I don't care. The division got to work its way out. It's, dude, let, let, they'll figure that shit out. All I care about is I see Volkanovski, Charles Oliveira, two guys with a ton of momentum, and that's a fantastic fight. Well, Oliveira has to do his part. He he has to fight Islam. He doesn't have to. Let's let I mean let's He has a true number one contender. Let's let's keep it a buck. If you the featherweight champion of the world versus the former lightweight champion of the world is a bigger fight. Oh, way more money. So and Makachev, yeah. I, I would mean, argue that it'd still be there. As long as Oliveira does his job, Volk will be there. No one's beating Volk. Well, but there's no guarantee that Charles Oliveira is going to be Makachev. No, but I don't think Charles Oliveira is necessarily box office. It's Volk going for the belt that is box office. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a lot easier to slot him in against in a vacant title shot. Yeah. Against it's, Oliveira. Now, I, I think that either way, it seems like he broke his hand, so he's going to have some time off. So no, you're probably going to end up getting the Charles Oliveira-Makachev yeah. fight anyway. So just handle business. Yeah, just handle business. But Volk's next move, people talk about Arnold Allen. I was like... No, the only oh. fight the only fight that's next is a lightweight title fight. Max might clear out the next three contenders by the time Volk's ready. Yeah, let, and let him do so because like Volk was like, "Oh, there's killers in the featherweight division. We just got to see them come up." Well, all right, throw him to Max. Yep, we'll find out. <laughs> we gonna see. <laughs> you gonna find out. He's easier said than done. So yeah, I mean, Max will fight again two weeks from now if you let. Yeah, him. You just gotta get that eye, you know, healed up. He's crazy. He's nice. So I mean, good. Good for Volk. It's just, yeah, they're, they're in a different spot. Also, stare down after the presser. Yeah. Triple C. Henry Cejudo wants to show. Man, I need, listen, man. He went at Sean O'Malley. He went at Volk. The man wants to fight. Fight. I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> no, like, but you got to stop. He left champ champ. You just don't come in and just fight. No, no, but I'm the, just saying. The established rule is you come back, you go for a belt. Well, we'll talk. Do it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I don't, I don't fight out, Joe. I, I don't want to hear Henry Cejudo talk about I'm coming. There's one, Henry Cejudo looks like he weighs a buck seventy right now. Oh. Easy. Right? Yeah, he's been on uh, the Tyson Ranch. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but you keep talking trash like Sean O'Malley's trash. Dog, you haven't fought. But my man's a wrestler. He cuts that way he likes to be. I'm sure. I mean, I'm just saying, but you haven't fought. 
book a fight. I don't want to hear you talking about who you might fight and you, you'll take the belt from Aljo. Fight. Shut up. You should get the Aljo fight. Instead of go the get it. Aljo's, nah, Aljo's but, gonna but go shut, against. But stop talking about it. Chilla At a certain Shaw. point, you gotta be about it and you gotta fight. Henry Cejudo overplayed his hand. He thought he was gonna retire and everybody would want him back and they get paid big money, and that shit is not happening. No. If you're gonna fight, go fight. Yep. If you if you're not, shut the fuck up. This should be the Cejudo fight. Yeah, it should. It should be Cejudo versus Volk. Can you stop the streak? Can you become quadruple C. I think that's one hell of a fight. It is. It's tough after two and a half, three years away. So maybe taking a warm-up fight would be nice, but he's too good to get a warm-up fight. No, I mean, he's going to want to jump in the deep end, but again, just jump in the goddamn deep end. Make it clear that you're going to fight. Stop. I don't care about you being on social media talking about I might fight and I'll wipe, wipe this dude out and that. Aljamain Sterling is active. Everybody else is active. Your ass ain't fighting. You're not a superstar. Cut it out. We know who you are. You're cool. You're the champ champ. But now you're not. Yeah. Right? So what are you going to do? It's like, yeah, go fight Aljo. But shut up. I don't want to hear him showing up. I mean, him talking to Sean O'Malley looks like an episode of The Office, the way it was shot. He's <laughs> yeah. on them. And, you know, it looked like Sean O'Malley was going to look at the camera and give the Jim Halpert face, but that didn't happen. <laughs> but it was just like, oh, I'm so tired of you talking about fighting. Just go fight. We want to see you fight. Yeah. We ain't, you ain't getting paid millions to fight. Just take a goddamn fight. Yeah, that boat has sailed. But, I mean, you'll probably get paid a little more than you were getting paid when you left. Yeah, but... Inflation. It, it, it's a <laughs> weird thing because it's like the money that you've lost by not fighting, you got to oh. make it up with a fight. Yeah. Right? And you can't keep driving your price up because Dana's like, I don't need to pay you. I'm doing just fine without you. Yep. 12 straight sellouts, I believe. Yeah, get the your ass in there. Fight, go fight. Shut up. Main event, Israel Adesanya. Jared Cannonier. Izzy's French tips are so dope. <laughs> like I never, never, never thought of that. The man has uh, found something there. But manicures aside, the entrance. Izzy, at, at this point, Money in Bank is over. Yeah. Trips, Vince McMahon, Nick Khan, Stephanie all come over to the fight. And, oh, and Pat McAfee, who is wearing a neck brace due to kayfabe being alive and well. They come to fight. Come to the fight. They're sitting front row. And I'm just like, oh, cool. Like, they invited WWE people. Like, I just thought they wanted to watch the fight, even though they ran against them on the same night, which makes no damn sense. But they were like, hey, we can still catch the main event. Came over. And then once the gong hits, it's like, oh, this makes sense. Wouldn't it have made more sense if you did that and then had WWE the next oh night. Oh, my God. Because now it's fresh on oh. people's minds. All right. Vince McMahon is a fucking maniac. How about we start <laughs> with this? Mans has an investigation by the board of directors into where $3 million went for an alleged affair. Mans has rape allegations. Several. Mans has stepped down as CEO, with his daughter taking his place. He is unbothered. And he's more visible now than he's ever been in his career. He shows up to Vegas going head-to-head with the hometown of the UFC yep. on their territory. And he's like, I'm just going to go over there. Now, yeah, you sit K-side, but you look like a maniac. Like, you're a nut. Why are you here? I, you had so much opportunity to promo this show through the UFC. Because if you're going to be there anyway, why didn't you just show up and then money in the bank? 
premium live show Sunday on Peacock. Come see Ronda Rousey and blah, 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 blah. Because you, you were splitting your audience. Like, some people say there's not a crossover. Bullshit, there's a ton of crossover. Yep. We've seen all, just guys talking about pro wrestling. Wouldn't it make sense to send just a guy to the WWE show? To at least tease it? Matt Riddle, former UFC fighter. Yep. Ronda. Ronda. One of the, one of the biggest stars ever. Right. Wouldn't it be great to have Ronda Rousey cage side? For, if you're Vince, like, what are you doing? Brock, even. Brock Lesnar, former UFC heavyweight champion. Why are you stepping on the toes of this company? Or at least trying to. Look, Money in the Bank sold well. There were some empty seats. Yeah. but it's, I mean, it, it was rocking. And the crowd was hot. The crowd was hot. Don't, that's great. But you, it would have been, you're fighting for headlines now in the media. Because what the UFC, uh, WWE prides themselves on is the headline. Yeah. And if you, if you have to battle the UFC for headlines, you work at ESPN. WWE's going to lose. Oh, constant. But guess what? Sunday, what's happening? Nothing. No playoff basketball. NBA is over. Hockey's over. We have free agency. Football hasn't started. Baseball's in that weird lull before the All-Star yep. break. Can't say that people have work the next day. Why? It's a holiday weekend. Everyone's off on Monday. So, you know, maybe y'all could have did well at Allegiant if you did it on Sunday. Instead, you try to fight them on a, a Saturday. Then you show up to their shit. It... <laughs> Yeah. He's nuts. He's like somebody who would murder your dog and then show up to bring you a casserole. <laughs> so what's wrong with this guy? Listen, the creepy smile, he's nuts. He can, in his mind, he can do whatever he wants. Dude, he's Donald like, Trump. He is abs- 100%. Donald Trump grabbed the ladies by the, and, and he didn't care. He was uh, talking to him immediately. Vince does the same. Dude, he has rape allegations. Rape. Vince, like many old Rich white people feels untouchable. Oh yeah, his only thing is this motherfucker might be. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But he showed up. That being said, showed up. It showed out. The Adesanya interest was incredible. Oh, the purple lights, the urn, the the smoke. Yeah, he did it all. Came from all the way backstage. The urn. Mm. I was just missing. Like he should have gave the trainer the urn. And oh, went yeah. full taker. Yeah, he should have went full taker. Yeah, then, then. But I mean. But he did the lights. He did the lights up. Yo. The hat off, lights up. And, and again, you could have Israel Adesanya money in the bank. Yeah, you do that entrance, and then Izzy's there with the title the next day. Like, come on, man. And money in the bank. Come on. <laughs> and then you have, like, you do a backstage interview with him for WWE, something. Like, you have all this opportunity to. Cross pollinate your audiences and you didn't do it. But the walkout was the most exciting thing about the fight. Yeah. Because we're in this weird place now where John Jones ended up at a point too, where his striking is so fluid and he's not going for home run shots. Because the thing is, Aldo was in this space for a second as well where it's no longer worth the, the risk of going balls to wall, leaving yourself open and losing your title. You sit back and say, you got to come take it. And people still fear that. So they're not going to press you. And you lead to very boring, technical, outpointing people fights. Because if you're not pressing them, and they're still scared to death of what you did years ago, and they're not pressing you, you're just kind of looking at each other. 
And that's where Ken and Ear was last night. He was just looking at Izzy a lot. So my timeline was lit up. Like, Israel signs a boring fighter. He's safe. He's a points fighter. And I'm like, look, this... This kickboxer. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Once upon a time, you got a guy named Anderson Silva had two stinkers against Damian Maia and Talis Leite. Once Anderson Silva's first run of opponents in the UFC realized, like Chris Lieben, they was like, if you go and run into the wood chipper, he's going to fuck you up. <laughs> Once they realized that, fighters stepped back. And they yeah. didn't want to fight him. Damian Maia laid on his back. Talis Leite is laid on his back. Patrick Cote kept his distance. And people was like, oh, Anderson. And like Dana got mad. But Anderson takes what you give him yep. and then fucks you up for it. That's what Anderson Silva used to do. Israel Adesanya is the same type of fighter. Exactly. Same. Paulo Costa came at him, got the brakes beat off of him. Uh, Derek Brunson came at him, got the brakes beat off of him. Yo, Romero didn't, Romero didn't come at him. Uh, who else? We Robert Whitaker came at him, got the brakes beat off of him. We, we don't have an Israel Adesanya problem. We have a fan education problem where you're not appreciating greatness while it's in front of you. And sometimes greatness isn't necessarily fun to watch. But that's not Israel Adesanya's fault. That's the fault of his opponents. If your job is to beat the world champion and take him out, that's what you need to do. I'm not relying on Israel Adesanya to come out there and beat you for your entertainment. Oh, right. Yeah. Like he doesn't, his job isn't here to entertain us. He's, his job is to win fights. But if you're cannoneer and you're coming and your job, you knock out people. If you ain't trying to knock him out, what, what do you want Israel to sign you? This is not his fault. No. That was Jerry Cannonier's fault. That was Joel Romero's fault. Robert Whitaker, he tried it the first fight. Got slapped. <laughs> he tried, like, it was one of the things, like, you tried it. And he was like, I ain't doing that. And he fought a more cost fight, still lost. Yep. You can't. You can't blame Adesanya. They do not have a style bender problem. He's not a safe Matari fighter. got fucked up for doing it. Yeah, he's not a safe fighter. He's not a points fighter. He's the same fighter he was when, when he got here. Because, again, Derek he's Brunson. a style bender yeah. in every sense of the word. Derek Brunson came here, said he was going to fuck him. You know, you skinny ass. Fucking, and he ran in and came at him. And Izzy was like, pop, pop. And he was like, oh, shit, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> and every fighter who watched that was like, yeah, that's probably not the right strategy. Cannonier got in there and thought, if I lay hands on him, I'm going to finish him. Like, yep. can't, what's your strategy, Jared? Fuck him up. All right, cool. Kill a gorilla. Go do that. And he went in and saw all that movement and footwork, and he was like, he didn't know what to do with it. No aggression. He didn't even, he didn't even didn't take risks. Didn't land risk. a big punch at all. Dude, it was, it was bad, but people... Tried like, bullying him a little bit. Put him against the cage. Like That wasn't Adesanya's fault. That was all on Jared Cannonier. Stop blaming Israel Adesanya. Furthermore, you're going to get the fight that you want because Eric Pereira fights next. And that's not going to be boring. Unless you stand there and stare at each other. But I truly don't believe, looking at Perez's history in, in glory and, and his MMA, his other MMA fights, I don't think he's going to stand there and wait for his. I don't think so. He's going to come at him. Yeah. He's already knocked him out once. But he's smart enough to know how to. And Izzy's also smart enough to count. That's going to be a trap. It's, it's going to be an MMA fight. Yeah. There's going to be some clinch work. I, who knows if anybody goes for a takedown. I don't think Alex is. I think Alex is out there going, I'm going to knock you out. And Izzy's going to have to deal with that because... I'm sure in the build-up to that fight, they're going to find that video of Izzy getting knocked out. And it's going to get played over and over and over again. I got that video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if you're looking for a fun fight from Adesanya, it's going to be the Alex yeah. Pereira fight. In which Izzy was dominating that fight. Yeah, he just got caught. He got caught on some, on some wild shit. So that's why it's just like, Alex is incredible as a kickboxer. Scary with small gloves. 
people don't know, like, he had kickboxing power. Yeah. Which is tough. Yeah. Because it's like having giant marshmallows on your hands. So on the tiny gloves, it's just like, fuck. Like, Izzy's going to have to be on his A-A-A-plus game. Dude. So is Alex. Yeah, it's, it's a huge fight. I'm just, again. What I, happens when you get punched in the face? We, we don't know how Alex can take punches. Yeah, we've just watched him dish out punishment. That's it. And he hasn't fought anybody that can hit him. And he's going to get hit. But, y'all, I need you to stop, man. Get out of my mentions talking about, I don't want to watch Israel Asanya. Dude, he's entertaining. That, the walkout was wild and entertaining. You watch Izzy because he talks shit. He's fun to watch. And, well, he's, he's fun even in the build of the fight. It's hit or miss, depending on his opponent, how the fight turns out. You know who else was like that? Became the biggest star in sports? Floyd Mayweather. Thank you. You can hate his fights all, the want, all you want, but you're going to tune in. And when people came at Floyd, they paid for it. Yep. And eventually, you're going to tune in to want to watch him lose. Bingo. And it's not going to happen. Y'all got to chill, man. I, I, I don't listen to y'all talk about Israel Adesanya. Cut it out. Leave that man alone. He is, <laughs> he is good. That The entrance was dope. I'm here for the entrances. Yeah. Give more people big entrances. You know what I also like that the UFC did? They ran those little video packages before the walkout. Yeah. They need to do more of that. Like WWE walkout. Yeah. Just make it, like little just, just go full. <laughs> go all the way. Because. Would you say everything is pro wrestling? I mean, would I say? I've said it a million times <laughs> that everything is pro wrestling. I think. I mean, the more you watch, the more you understand that. And uh, yeah, the Undertaker walkout was phenomenal. So I'm just curious what he has to do. That that's the price of admission. And if he beats somebody's ass in the process, sure. But don't tell me you're not going to watch another Israel Adesanya fight because you're a fucking liar. They are lying if they said that. Um, next week we have another card. Did you know Michael Johnson was still fighting? Yes, I do. I had no clue. Yep. He has the weirdest record in MMA history. He fights everybody. Pretty everybody, and he beats some really good names. Yes, he and then loses and gets his ass whooped to others. It's yeah. crazy. But Michael Johnson's on this card. But the main event, pretty much for six out, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fiziev. That's a good fight. Fiziev is getting that, uh, that, oh, you think you're here? Let's see. Yeah, I think he's here. Lightweight is so stacked, but I, I would agree. The only, the only issue, because Fiziev is a kickboxer who's tremendous striking, tremendous distance control. Dos Anjos isn't the Dos Anjos to be Anthony Pettis. But... Osanias is still an exceptional grappler. If he can find a way to get this fight on, on put Fazeev on his back, we have a very interesting fight. But I think from a distance, he probably loses this. I'm picking Fazeev to win. RDA is still very good, but uh, sure. It's a UFC fight night card. I wish it wasn't this weekend because I was trying to take a, a few days off of people getting punched <laughs> in the face. This week has been exhausting. But uh, I'm going to pick Fazeev to win. Um, I am too. I just think this is one that I think could go five rounds. Definitely. I'm not sure if he if he's going to go out there and starch RDA and really, like... No, I don't think so. Wow, people. You know, like, yeah, I think this goes five rounds. RDA is still not a pushover. He's no, far no. from, like, a gatekeeper yeah. status yet. So it's going to be a hard t- test. He's going to have to dig down. He's going to have to face adversity. We're going to know all we need to know about Fazeev after this fight coming up. So that's that's the world of MMA. It's been one hell of a weekend for us. Yeah, man, if you're, if you're tuning in these shows, like, why are these shows long? We're going we're gonna to slap some of our press row interviews, radio row interviews on here, so you can listen to a few of those. Dominic Reyes had some interesting things to say. Very interesting. My man is, my man is not getting past the John Jones loss. That's <laughs> just not happening. Him. So we'll, slap, we'll put some interviews on the back end, so you, you'll get your longer shows, right? I mean, we had I, a busy week, guys. Yeah, people are probably wondering, like, yo, they're dropping a show a day. 
Yeah. They're on a blistering pace. We're yeah, like no. DMX in 98. No, we're, sl- we're about to slow down. <laughs> you ain't going to get a show from us on Tuesday. We got to take some days off. We got to breathe. <laughs> we'll be back Thursday. We're back boxing. I don't, what, what is next week in boxing? Um, I don't even know. I'm so, man, it's been so busy with MMA and Showtime wrestling. fight, but I'm not sure. Jesus. I don't remember. Who it is. Nope. Oh, well. But we're two weeks away from Ryan. Yeah. So I know God, that's damn, coming I gotta, up quick. Yeah, I got to go to California. So I, Hey, you'll be at that fight? Yeah, I'll be at the fight. No, that's not bad. So we'll hang out. Um, I will be fresh off of my trip to Temecki. Your first trip to so, yeah. California, well, Southern California wine country. Yes, I think I've signed up for uh, two already. Two, like, little Dude, winery. I'll tasting. tell you this. Anybody that's listening to the show that's ever been to Temecula Marietta, South Coast Winery, you go, you pay for the wine tasting. Getting good with the bartender. Because what they do is they have, the, you know, the people that pour your wines, and they give you your punch card, and you get, like, five or six tastings and make some suggestions, like it's a dark, blah, blah, blah. And you'll learn how to taste different kind of wines. But if you get a good bartender, you have to strike up a nice little conversation, he won't punch your card. He'll just keep pouring. So there's been times that me and my wife have been there for like several hours shooting the shit with a bartender and drunk as a skunk. <laughs> for like 20 bucks. And it's incredible. Yeah, so listen, I'm, I'm down. I'm trying to, trying to be the same way, but I still do have to work. We have a couple, uh, we have a ESPN fight next Friday. So it's uh, about to pick up. Business is about to pick up for the summer. It hasn't picked up already? Like this week wasn't busy enough? Sir, it's just the beginning. No, it's not. Just the beginning. We're not going to have another UFC WWE night. August is going to be exhausting. No, like as as crazy and as packed as this was, at least it's in our backyard. Like at least like it's in our city. We got to start city hopping. Yeah, we'll see. You got to go to Saudi Arabia in August. People will be like, you get to go to Saudi Arabia. Guys, no, I'm not thrilled about you this. You don't get to go anywhere. It's, 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 a, it's a, almost a day. The flight is like a day. There's no straight through from Vegas to Saudi Arabia. No. So I got I to stop. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is bring my Nintendo Switch. I loaded it up with a bunch. They, they re-released the Portal games, which I never got to play on Xbox. I'm about to play it out. I'm about to be on this plane gaming. Got my <laughs> battery time. pack. Look but, like Xavier Woods. Yeah, I'll probably That'd be in every airport gaming. I, that's where I go. My switch, I never leave without my switch, and now my Series S because it's so small. My Xbox, throw in my bag. Any country I'm in, I'm playing. <laughs> you need just the, the little plugs that go on the wall. That's like it. The adapter joints. I learned that the hard way. I went to London and I got my Clippers, and I was like, "Oh, just stick it in here." And the Clippers blew up. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit! I guess you just can't plug anything into anything." God damn. Nah, nah, yeah, that's a whole different different system out there. All right, everybody, welcome back from the break. Kel Dansby here with UFC veteran now, Cynthia Calvillo, <laughs> joining us ahead of her fight this upcoming weekend. Cynthia, I mean, man, I've been covering the sport for a while, and you came into the UFC as like one of the best prospects in the female division you came in there was a ton of pressure dana white talking you up you were a team alpha male at the time and your ifa were singing your praises how was that for you coming into the ufc and people expected so much of you so fast 
Um, to be honest, it was, it was quite wild. It was definitely something I've ever been working so hard to get to, to just get into the UFC. And um, at the time, I wasn't expecting to get into the UFC so fast because I was 3-0. and I had just turned pro for like six months prior. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get the call from the UFC that quick, you know? So I got the call and I made my debut in like two weeks notice. And then it was just kind of like that whole year was nuts. I just like blew up, you know, Dana took a notice of me right away and they were flying me all over the place. I was competing, you know, just kind of, I was pretty much just living life to the fullest, like whatever. I didn't even have time to let any of it settle in until like the end of the year. But, um, it, it was awesome. Definitely. Uh, at the time, I don't think I had time to like feel pressure. Cause I just, I, I, it was weird. It, it took me at the end of the year to realize, okay, holy crap, that just happened, you know? <laughs> so um, it, it was awesome. You know, definitely. I can't believe it was five years ago, but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> time, time goes by quick, but the end of that first year, you were ready in the ring or excuse me, in the octagon with a former champ, Carla Esparza. And so like your first year, it was like, hi, you have three fights too. Hey, you're facing a former champ. Um, That one didn't go your way. But what was that experience like? And how much did you learn from that fight? Especially now she's champion again. Yeah, I think uh, I feel, I still feel like I won that fight. (laughs) Uh, But uh, you know, you never know what the judges look for. We, you know, the judges can break your heart and, you know, and it just, it, it just depends on, you know, what perspective you take up the fight and what you're looking or how you want to score it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to eventually get that rematch back. Of course, I have to work my way back to that opportunity, which is the goal. It will always remain the goal to get to the top and, and you know, uh, challenge for the title and become a world champion. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I learned a lot from that fight in the sense of like, just be ready for the judges to break your heart. So you always have to never let it like, you know, if you're going into a fight and you're in the two rounds in and you think you're up to, you better not even think that you, you better still try to get that finished, not write it out because you don't know what the judges are looking at. So I learned a lot and I've definitely matured a lot since then. Um, looking back at the fight, originally when I, when they raised their hand and I was in the cage, I was like, Oh, hell no. That was my fight. I was just kind of throwing a fit, you know, and then now I've definitely matured a lot since then, you know, you're going to win and you're going to lose. I think for me, just because that was my first loss as a professional. And uh, I didn't take it as well, but you know, it's, that's, that's a part of success. You know, you're going to take losses, you know, inside the cage, outside the cage, some that some people see and some that people don't see, but it's a part of life. So I've definitely gotten humbled down and uh, learned a lot. (laughs) Recently, over the past like year or so, you changed gyms and you've had a couple of losses. But do you feel like that's just part of, okay, you're at a new gym, you're learning kind of new system and you're acclimating. And plus, we came off of like the pandemic time where there's no crowd stuff was kind of tough. Like, what was that three fight stretch like for you? And how much have you learned from that stretch to kind of like breathe and then start over again now on this next run? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was a little, it, it was difficult, you know, I've, I've never been in a lost three fights in a row. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it's taught me a lot, you know, um, you have to fight through a lot of self doubt and like demons that come from losses and stuff. But 
you know, that's like I said, that's a part of life. And I think that my purpose has kind of changed a little bit as far as like the reasons why I used to do it. It was kind of like become the hero of my own story because I never thought that I would reach this level to begin with. But now my story has changed as far as my purpose is to it's not just about me. It's about how can I show people that you can overcome losses? How can you, you, you know, and that's, that's important overall at the end of the day, it's like, I want to be able to inspire people. I want to motivate people. I want to show them that, you know, you can dust yourself up and, and, and become bigger. I, I really do believe that there are more losses in life than there is wins, but the wins will overweigh the losses, you know? So I just feel like this is a part of it before I went pro. I remember, uh, trying to make my debut, my professional debut for three years, but I kept breaking my arm in the same place over and over and over, but I didn't quit. And I kept staying. And like, people were telling me like, Hey, you know, you should quit. You're getting injured. This is not for you. But I, I just knew it in my heart that this is what I'm meant to do. And, um, I just realized that as long as you continue fighting through the losses, you know, the ones are going to come, the success is going to come. It's all about not quitting and, you know, and, 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 and facing adversity and like getting through this time after time is, you know, you question and it really makes you realize whether do you want to do this or you don't want to do this. And I love doing this. Like, I, I love this sport and I want to continue doing it for as long as I can. You know, um, the losses are hard, but I truly believe that that's what's going to make me a good champion is I'm going to be humble. And I know, you know, once I reach to the top where I need to be, I'm going to be ready for it. And this weekend you're facing Nina Nunez, who's suffered a couple of losses herself. Um, she went took some time off had the baby and everything, but she's lost two in a row as well. So it's like, she's hungry coming into this fight. What's your mindset going in there against her, knowing this is a fight where she feels she has to win as well. Yeah. Well, I definitely probably expect the best Nina that we've ever seen, you know, um, losing is losing is, you know, definitely hard. And, you know, in order to test yourself to continue to want to do it, even after losing and losing and losing, you know, it really has to like testing, you really have to dig deep. So I'm pretty sure, you know, she's going to give me hell. And I prepared for that, whatever she, you know, whatever way she wants to take this fight, whether she wants to be aggressive, or she wants to point whatever she wants to do in this fight, I'll be ready. I do know it's going to be the best Nina. Um, but I also know that I'm probably on the, you know, three fight losing streak. She's on it too. So I feel like I'm going to come in there a lot hungrier because I don't want to lose four in a row. <laughs> With you talking about the best you, where do you feel the best you is? Because we've seen you win a majority of your fights in the UFC as a flyweight, but it seems like you're healthier and stronger as a strawweight. Where do we see the best you in the octagon? Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I can be good in, in both divisions. I think the, the initial issue for me was just kind of was moving and leaving and kind of in essence kind of starting all over everything around me as far as like my, my coaching and my teammates and, and the place location have changed. I had to deal with shoulder surgery about a year and a half ago and I've had two fights since then. So um, it's just uh, getting through that mental mental hump you know I I feel like uh I'm in a in a a better place now just uh I feel like I'm um I've I've changed a lot even this this fight in itself even though I moved to Las Vegas the people are in my corner are going to be completely different than where my last two uh 
uh, my last three fights, actually completely different people. So, um, I'm trying to do what's best for me, trying to figure it out. I feel like a lot of fighters coming into Vegas and then make a change. It takes a while, you know, yep. some, some, some fighters are lucky. They, they, they able to still, uh, get wins through that change and stuff. And some of us don't, sometimes we have to take those losses in front of the whole world. And, um, I think that's the struggle that everybody had to see me get through, but I also feel like it made me mentally stronger. I think that it allowed me to find the right people to be around me to, to make sure I go out there and be the best me. And I, and I truly do believe that I, I, this is going to be the best you've seen in a really long time. I, I haven't really felt like I felt my, myself the last two years and I'm excited to get out there. Cause I, 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 I feel good now. Like I feel a lot, not that I didn't before, it, it just something always just kind of fell off. But I, 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 to me, I felt like, oh, maybe this is just the process of it because change never feels good, you yeah. know? And so I kind of got adjusted. I got my time to get settled here in Vegas. I'm almost been living here for almost two years. So I, I think, uh, I think I'm in a really good place. I have to ask you, Valentina Shevchenko, right? We've seen in the past year, year and a half, Rose Namajunas loses to Carla. We've seen Amanda lose her title at 135. People we thought like, okay, they're going to hold the belt for a while or they're almost impossible to beat. Now we have Shevchenko who has that same aura on her. When you look at her, when you watch her fight, do you look at that and say, you know what? I see her being vulnerable. Or if we got in the octagon, I know I can really beyond hold your own, but I can be her. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like, you know, to be such a, a dominant champ and to do that for a very long time, I feel like it can get draining after a while. You know, it might come to a point where she reaches like GSP level or, you know, maybe Khabib and she's just like, hey, maybe it's just time for me to walk out. Like I'm kind of done. I think I've done what I need to do in the sport. So I feel like it's either there, either someone's going to come and, you know, uh, you know, surprise everybody and they're going to get the win or she's probably going to walk you out, uh, you know, walk away as one of the best in the world without having to, you know, actually lose that title. You know, I definitely do feel like she's going to end up being in the hall of fame. Um, she's one of the best champions we've ever had. Somebody I definitely look up to that, uh, you know, it is a dream of mine to hopefully be able to fight her one day. Um, she is, uh, she's just, she's a dream fight, also a scary fight, but a, a dream fight because this is what we're all gunning for. And um, I hope that one day I can, I can, I'm able to work my way to be able to fight her. But if not, I wouldn't be surprised if she stepped away, you know, the next, you know, year or two, you know, cause I, you know, who knows, who knows how long, you know, she's been fighting. She's been competing since she was probably since she was a kid. I don't know. You know, I started late in the sport, not till I was 23. So I've been doing this for about 10 years. She's probably been doing this for like 20 years. I don't know, maybe longer, you know? So, um, We'll see, but uh, if, like I said, if she goes down as one of the best champs and walks away before I get to her, then you know, it'd be fine by me. But uh, hopefully, one day I get a chance to face her in the octagon. Last question: You mentioned you've been doing this for ten years, and one, I, I still, you look incredibly young. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just what I was thinking. But we we've seen in this sport where we have Glover Teixeira. We had um, Jan before him. We, we have champions in their, throughout their 30s, into their 40s. It seems like MMA is that sport where it's like, you know what? It's, it's not over. Experience is a lot. You look at Charles Oliveira. He went on a losing streak as well. Turned it around. The guy can't lose now. So do you like look at these other fighters and say, oh, I have plenty of time left in this sport? 
Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Uh, that's that's also the big motivating factor when you go through losses and stuff. You want to look through to other champions, to other greats and how they got through it. If they can do it, then you can do it. And that's what I want to do too for like younger fighters. They can see like, geez, she went through that hard season and and then I'll look at her. She picked herself through those wins, you know, she, and now she's the champion. And I feel like I definitely do that. And one of the biggest things about it too is just that the more and more we know about the sport, you know, having the UFC Performance Institute have helped the athletes with longevity a lot. So we've learned a lot more in the sport, uh, the sport how to how to train smarter so we don't take as much damage. And it's also all about stylistically how you fight too. You know what I mean? If you go into these wars all the time and you're just like going either you get knocked out or, or you're knocking someone out, it's a, a, I think it's it's difficult. Definitely wear you out, you know, over time, but. Uh, there's been so many champions like Brandon Moreno is somebody who's very inspiring because he went as far as to like getting cut from the UFC comes back and becomes a champion you know everybody writes him off and now everybody's like you know praising him so you know Charles Oliveras and and Jan and and you know Glover Teixeira like it's it's amazing and I definitely look up to them because like I feel like I still have a lot of mileage left in me I do not feel very beat up um you know, I think uh, losses are what makes you tougher and build more character. And I think, like I said, at the time, for whatever reason, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to to get to maybe those maybe I, for whatever reason, the universe said it's so I'm not ready yet to be there. And I, maybe I need to get tested a little bit more so that when I do reach there, you know, not only am I mentally strong to deal with all that stuff, because there's people that do get shot up too fast and as fast as they go up. They go down. Oh and I feel like that's what happened to me when I got into the UFC. I was six months of being a pro within a year. I was ranked number six in the world. Like that was insane. Like that's crazy, you know? And then like people don't realize that like I essentially had all of my professional career in the UFC. Yep. And like, I'm you're, you're going to see me go up and down, you know? And so I think it's just, it's, it's just a part of it. And um, I'm excited to go out there and show out and continue my journey and build on my legacy. And I think I'll have many years left and hopefully I can, you know, be great and then create even bigger opportunities and hopefully see me on TV doing some other cooler stuff. Man, I can't wait. Thank you so much for joining us, Cynthia. I know it's always hectic during fight week. There's weight cutting and everything. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your day. Really appreciate it. Best of luck in your fight on Saturday. Always exciting. So I, I know it's going to be amazing, but uh, the show is on like a pretty good winning streak. So I feel like we're going to give you some luck here. Uh, right. Thanks so much. <laughs> we appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, everyone. Cynthia Cavillo joining us on the Corner Podcast. We appreciate it. Thanks for everyone for listening to all the content we put out over this couple of weeks. I mean, we've had tons of wrestling shows, tons of guests. Shout out to Bianca Belair. Oh, yeah. Coming through, you know, during last week, we had um, Sean Ross Sapp, which was amazing. Yep. And then also Cheap Heat, Rosenberg, that guy, Greg. Like, so many good interviews in pro wrestling. And then you mentioned all the MMA interviews. So, it's been a packed week. We've talked to everyone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're rolling. We appreciate you all. Shout out to everyone here at Blue Wire Studios in the Wind Resort in Las Vegas. Everybody in the booth. Producer Cole. Bebe. Antoine behind the boards. Brian, keeping us looking pretty. We appreciate you all. Follow us on social media. Right now, you guys know the link, so we'll keep that short. Man, we are tired. Appreciate you all. Until next time, we're out. Peace. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com